If you know me at all, you know that death is my bread mm -hmm. and danger my butter. Oh, no, danger's my bread and death is my butter. I'm sorry. No, no, wait. Danger's my bread. Death, no, death. No, I'm sorry. Death is my... Death and danger are my various breads and, and various butters. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're back with episode 48 of Various Bread and Butters. Uh, I'm Simon Tonev, and with me as always is Ben Brickhouse-Cohen and uh, Renan Sequitur-Dinser. <laughs> you like those new nicknames? The Renan ones. Renan Sequitur. And I think because, Renan, over the past few episodes, there have been some non-sequiturs from you, so I think that that nickname is going to stick. <laughs> Renan Sequitur. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, like I think that. that'll stick. And Brickhouse for you, now I've used that before, it's because your initials are BRC, so right there, Brick. So what do you? Uh, so where are we? On? It's a WJRH Lafayette oh, yeah, College. W, yeah, WJRH Lafayette College Radio. Place setting. That's what we call place setting in are, Eastern Pennsylvania. In Eastern Pennsylvania, are we at one hundred four point nine, Renan? Still, as far as I know. How did you hear about Lafayette College? How do you explain it to people where it is? What's your first physical or geographical reference? Oh, I'd say it's equidistant from Philly and New York, but not in between. Oh, so so that they don't think you go to Princeton. Yeah. <laughs> We should introduce our guest. We should introduce. Episode 48. Episode 48. We're happy to welcome our guest, Kathleen Parrish from the Communications Division, mm -hmm. whose official title is the so Director really of Content are. Strategy. Yeah. And you are a true journalist. Member of the Fifth Estate. What? what? And you also teach a class in the English department, don't you? I do. I teach Guess journalism. Guess what it's about? <laughs> journalism. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say inorganic chemistry. Yeah. I was going to be like, that doesn't make I any sense at all. I love proving the point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I teach that at Princeton, so anyway. Uh, now, we usually do lessons learned on the podcast, and I was very happy this week to figure something out that's bothered me for a while. I have a longstanding grievance about various markups at restaurants. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm aware that when you go to a restaurant or you go to a coffee shop, that things will cost more than if you went to the grocery store. I know that you're paying for Wi-Fi. I know that you're paying for the seating. I know you're paying for the air conditioning. I know you're paying for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. I know you're paying for the barista. I'm aware of that. So I don't think a store-bought uh, a cafe coffee is going to cost the same as if I just bought a pound of grounds from the store. Sure. I still can't understand why tea, like hot tea at a coffee store, is inordinately marked up so that you'll pay sometimes more than for a cup of coffee. They'll give you a bag of tea, and it'll be like $3.50, $4. You can go to the store and get 100 bags of tea for $4. A hundred, and maybe that's super low grade. If we want to bump this up and try to make it get a little more parity here, mm -hmm. I'll just say fine. You can get fifty bags of tea for ten dollars. Wow, good tea. Where 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 are you getting your tea? Uh, Tivana. So that's on the table. That's regular. Okay. But they will charge you three or four dollars for one tea bag, and it blows my mind that this is acceptable. Now well, they're not forcing you to buy tea. But why aren't people railing against that kind of markup? I don't think there's a lot of tea drinkers out there. Yeah, why don't you just drink coffee? Okay, so this is my setup. So iced coffee, which I hadn't really drank in my life until the last few years. And then I realized iced coffee always costs more than regular coffee at a coffee shop. Well, I, I'm baffled that you're paying for a lesser amount of coffee. They're watering down coffee and charging you more. It's less volume of coffee. But it's not just, iced coffee is not taking hot coffee and putting it on ice. There's a lot more to it. Such as? Well, I think they add the sweetener and the milk, and then they refrigerate it. They don't just pour it over ice. They, they refrigerate it first to make it cold. So you're going to say the refrigeration, don't they heat the coffee? 
Well, it's a process. The refrigeration is cheaper than heating. Okay. I think I think you can cold brew it. I think there's different ways of making iced coffee. I don't think they do that, though. Well, I think some people do. I've correct. got nice coffee down at the coffee stand at the farmer's market, and they just put it over ice. Don't, and they don't, don't, there's no sweetener or, or half and half creamer in it beforehand. I add that. I don't know what to tell you. So okay, I figured somebody answered this. I, I've always been hesitant to ask this because I don't want the barista to think that I'm actually quibbling with what it costs there. I'm fine, whatever they charge. Sure. That's, Clearly you are quibbling. Well, I'm quibbling post facto. But when I'm there, I don't want them to think like, oh, why does it cost so much more? They're going to think, don't yell at me. I just work here. Um, but I was at the coffee shop the other day and I actually finally asked. She's like, oh, I don't know. We just work here. And then the guy beside her kind of rushed up. He's like, yeah, we don't make the prices. I, I get it. That's not that's not what I'm asking. I don't think you made the prices. And then I went out front and was talking, you know, I had a meeting, talking to them. Mm-hmm. And about, I don't know, a half hour later, the, the woman came, poked her head out the door. She's like, I got an answer. No way. That's service. But at this point, you haven't already explained to me. So I already well, know that you won't have an answer. I have I an say, answer. Do you have a guess? I have an answer. And it's, it's very, I think it's economically based. It's that price because you're willing to pay for it. That wasn't her answer. Well, what was her answer? Do you think it would take her a half hour to say that? <laughs> I don't know. You, you have to think about Some that. Some people are slower thinkers than yeah. Simon. Thank you. Her Thank answer you was the plastic cup. The plastic that cup. That was her answer? Yep. As a, well, she what? asked the owner in the meantime, and he said, because we give it in a disposable plastic cup. Yeah, I don't buy that. I think it's, I think it's a supply and demand thing. Whatever you're willing to pay for it. As a journalist, what are it's the five questions, right? The what, where, why, when, Who, how. what, why, where, when? How? Oh, how? That's six. Because the other day I was trying. I I know that there's five and one. So that's the one. How? Yeah. Is the six? Like how? I thought about like for half an hour for this. Wow. That's why they call it the sixth estate. <laughs> <laughs> the the estate. fourth. I thought that since we're known for our interview skills, mm-hmm. it's good to work on them some and and always improve our game. I don't think so. I think we're pretty much at the top of our game. Well, I, if you listen to a lot of interviews, it seems like there's standard responses uh, if you don't know what you're doing. Tell me more about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How are you feeling? Yeah, there's got to be like a common list of these. I assume there are. Tell me more about this. How I think did you that's phrase a good question. Now? I think that's a perfectly fine question. It's open-ended. And when did you first think about that? Uh, it's actually something I teach. How to ask good questions. Tricked you there. There you go. That was one of my... That was one of his, his questions. That was one, you fell right into the trap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to ask, you know, yes or no questions because that puts a stop to the conversation. Do you like pizza? What kind? Ooh. Oh. Answer a question <laughs> with a question. Yeah, do you like those questions? What questions? Oh, <laughs> we're quick here today. Which ones did you have in mind? The ones you just mentioned. Oh, I won. You did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's unfair. It's, it's the new hit game. I guess mm. so. Well, so I want to I wanna do the quiz. The quiz is about your corpus of work, so you would not be a good person to, to answer. So I'll ask, and you'll nod along, and you can mock Renan and Simon for getting it right or wrong, because okay. you'll know the answers. So I have a series of um, magazine articles <laughs> that you may have written or you may not have written, or field assignments or field pieces, and uh, Simon and Renan have to tell us if they were real assignments or not. No, oh, I'm ready for this. Are you ready, Kathleen? I'm ready. Uh, the first one is Swimming with Sharks. Swimming with sharks. Now, I want to know if this is swimming with metaphorical sharks. I wonder if it's like working in high finance. Or the, the mediocre 90s Kevin Spacey movie. Oh, yeah, that one too. Swimming with sharks. Um, Did she write an article about the Frank Wally Kevin Spacey vehicle, Swimming with Sharks? That is not what I'm asking. Okay, that's not what you're asking. No metaphor um, here, actual sharks. I'm going to say no. 
Renan, you say yes. I Simon, say yes. you say no. I Kathleen, you no. can tell them. Uh, I just got back from the Bahamas where I swam with the sharks. Yes. Were you caged? Wait, no. did you write an article about? I'm I'm writing one now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, number two. Okay. Well, um, I wait. I I, I want to know a little bit more about the shark thing. Yeah, I think so, we're, we're going to get back. Oh, to we're going to get back to it. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. why I didn't want to hold off on the. I quiz. think my tan could have been like the first clue, but Maybe. whatever. Uh, two competing in a beauty pageant. I'll say yes. Sure, I'll go with I'll go with Simon. Third runner-up, Mrs. Pennsylvania International. Oh. Yeah, there was only seven of us in the pageant, and one got sick. What What year? 2012, I think it was. I have a question. Well done. How it is Mrs. Pennsylvania International? And it was held in Altoona because, you know, if you're going to have an international pageant, where else would you hold it but Altoona? But how could a state-based competition be international? Because that, if you win your state title, then you go to the um, international pageant. And so, so you were you were in that to write an article? Absolutely, I was sort of like undercover. Nice. Yeah. All right, so I have a third one. Okay. Taking a job as a tour bus driver in Washington D.C. No, actually. Wait, do you, do you want do you want to change your answer, Renan? Are you gonna say is I'm maybe say your no. answer? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no as well. You would both be correct. Although that is my absolute dream like i want to be a tour bus operator really like i've always wanted to do that all right so here's the next one i sense that <laughs> okay interviewing sandra bullock on a moving city bus <laughs> that that seems too specific i'm gonna say moving yes. city bus <laughs> i like that but it's probably a really uh just small talk well so so yes or no yeah okay we both say yes no i've never met sandra bullock <laughs> i have a further one though okay interviewing brian cranston in the closet and I have this no is, idea. This is not is. a medic, metaphorical closet. Uh, he is. He was the star of Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad and oh. Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the dentist on Seinfeld. Tim Watley. Tim Watley. In a cl- that. Now I'm going to say no. We're not. No. Well, that one was true. Oh. In a closet. Yeah, we were in a coat closet together. It was the only private space. He was rehearsing for um, LBJ on Broadway. Wow. And so I was like knee to knee with Brian Cranston and. Yeah. Can I tell my story? It went. It was like this amazing interview where I was like, man, I am just like, I am killing it. I am the best questioner ever. Um, tell me more about that. So I'm so um, <laughs> at the at the very, I mean, you know, it's like we're having this conversation where we were actually knee to knee and there was this pea coat behind him that was like smacking him in the head. And there was like this, you know, Christmas tree in the one corner and a piano and there wasn't any room for us, but we were, so we're sitting each knee and we're like, I feel like I'm totally connecting with Brian Cranston. And then at the very end, he says, you look really familiar. You look like my um, executive producer. And I forget her name. And I was like, oh, okay. It was like kind of a throwaway thing. So I went home and I Googled her and we could be twins. Wow. Yeah. That, we, that, it doesn't usually happen that way. When someone says you look like this person, right. it's always that the other person is terrible Looking, right, you're like, and you oh always my feel God. bad about yourself. Right, exactly. But right. but this one was truly like. Well, I didn't she looked say I didn't like... feel felt bad about myself. Yesterday, <laughs> <Don't say that. laughs> you just jumped to a conclusion there, I Mr. Tonev. Yeah. Um, but we we did. We looked very much alike. And then so I realized it was had nothing to do with me being a good reporter. It was that he, you know, he, he felt comfortable. Yeah, with you. exactly. I was familiar. Well, you never I was a know. Familiar face. How do you? Um, what's your take on when somebody sees you and says, you know, you look like a better looking version of so and so? When I, which I think they mean as a compliment, like they'll see you and they think you look like some more famous person. I guess it depends. I mean, if if you look like a better looking person of the guy that played Sloth in the Goonies, <laughs> then there's so much room there to right. be better. 
or you know better looking right. version of you George just take Clooney. that you, you go with it yeah I guess so another article oh another article yes do you want one more two more one more okay give us two more all right um interviewing Italian opera star uh Andrea Bocelli who serenaded her in his Italian villa uh, see I, I I was with you until one in, of the three in his Italian villa because that that on that the balcony makes it, that makes it a little bit harder it was sunny oh I'm, I'm sure well see now are, are does it have to have been sunny and it doesn't have to have been it doesn't on the depend on that okay because I can imagine maybe he was in New York and you went in to interview him but all the way in Italy I'm gonna say so I'm gonna say that you did interview Andrea Bocelli but it was not in Italy can you qualify no, no, it's a yes or no. I'm gonna say, then yeah. I'm going to say no, but I'm qualifying why I said no. He's just setting himself up in you case. You disqualify him now. Mm. We're going to be a little more honest about this one. Yes or no? No. I did, and oh. it was raining. Well, and... that's that's what threw me off. <laughs> uh-huh. It was raining. <laughs> it's horrible. It was sunny. Yeah, and I got lost going to his his uh, his mansion. Wow. And he also made me espresso. That's nice. In an espresso machine? What kind of a setting was that? Like, does he have an espresso machine at his villa? He he does, but he's blind. So I think his um. Wait, did you is, know Andrea Bocelli was blind? Really? No. Oh yeah. This is this is. I is this felt like pretty a, proud that I knew who Andrea Bocelli yeah, was. This is like a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Are we the no, first ones I to report? Think... No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't like like completely blind. Like completely blind. Yeah, he was I think twelve and he got hit in the head with a baseball, and, and he went blind. Italians and baseball. Well, you know. I don't, I've I've watched a lot of Flintstones, and what I what I know medically is that if you hit him in the head again, he might regain his sight, or that could just be from amne- for amnesia. Well, I tried and it didn't didn't come work. Back. Didn't yeah. work. <laughs> the okay. lawsuit is still pending. Okay, well. so you could have switched out some other espresso, and he wouldn't have known. Well, I think his butler actually made it, but he he said, "I would you like espresso?" And then I was like, you know, I first I was like, "Oh no, no," but then I was like, "You know what?" If Andrea Bocelli wants to go make you espresso, yeah. like you say, you say yes. You, so say yes. you should have checked. I didn't want to be rude. You should have checked his wallet before and after, so you would have known if he actually bought that espresso. No, down it, the block it was in his villa. I was or in his made home. it right in his home. And they probably doesn't have like a Starbucks. I just want to know to the markup on Italian espresso. <laughs> uh, There's no ice. Cold, that's cold. Is there an ice espresso? That'd be an interesting invention. I don't know. Mm. How do you make iced espresso? I guess what you do make, you need? You make espresso you and put it. some ice cubes in it. Well, it's no, so I think small. you refrigerate it first. And then you do a f- 500% markup, according to Ben. Yeah. It would be awesome. You could have like custom sized ice cubes. You would just put one, yeah. like the size of an espresso, those tiny cups. Yeah. You, you get have little like, tiny ice cubes. One Or one comically large one. Or you could just like freeze marbles and then just put the marbles in there. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, also, I would like to hear more about swimming with sharks. Yes, because you just you just came back from that. I did. I just got back. Now, were, were you in a cage? Were the sharks in a cage? Was Nobody anybody was caged? caged? Was Nobody it was filmed? Caged. Wow. Yes, it was filmed. I actually have video oh, of, no way. of it. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll preface this story by saying um, I've just been a shark attack in North Carolina, and I get a call on my cell phone, and it's my editor saying, hey, how would you like to do go on assignment and do a story about uh, go on a shark dive and write about it? And I was like, yeah, sure, that would be great. Um, and I tell you this not because um, I'm brave or stupid because my parents had me tested, <laughs> but it's that, you know, adage with, with writers, you know, you never have a bad day, it's all material. So I thought if I, if I lose an arm, it's, it's a better story, right? Wow. But I hope it's my left arm. That is, a good, that is a good attitude to have. And so when you go shark diving, we're all sat on the bottom of the ocean and there was a feeder who fed the sharks and you watch this go on. Okay. okay. 
And then you swim with them a little bit. So how do, you, how do you sit on the bottom of an ocean? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you is they give you this weight belt. So I had a 50-pound weight belt on me, and then I had the tank. Okay. And then I had this, um, yep. this like really thick scuba suit, you know, head to toe, and you have your goggles and your flippers on it. And then they want you to stand up, and so I, I couldn't get up. So they felt like they have to like pull me up. So okay. I'm, I'm finally up. I walk over to the water. Flip, 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 flip. And the guy is like, "Okay, you know, on the count of three, I want you to go in the water. Left hand on your weight belt, right hand on your aerator, because the aerator's already in my mouth. You know, and your two fingers on your thing. Ready, one, two. And I had a, a, a panic attack because I. <laughs> thought about, I was thinking about these sharks about thrashing in the water. Eaten, I'm like, yeah. then, see, I was going to say, I thought it was chum, but you, you stole my oh, joke. Hey-o. Yeah. Oh, hell. <laughs> we're, we're pretty quick here. You got to get in. <laughs> so like, I rip out my array. I'm like, <gasps> like, okay, but I have to do this because it's a story. Yeah. So put the aerator back in. I'm like, a journalist. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, okay, calm down. Left hand on your weight belt, right hand on your aerator, two fingers on your mask, ready, one, two. Well, <laughs> and then um, I started, I had another panic attack and started hyperventilating. Uh-oh. Um, but, you know, I was really only concerned about myself because my son was already in the water. And oh, I, no I way. Your yeah. son was there. Yeah, I didn't really care that he was perhaps <laughs> chum. You know, I was really worried about myself. You have yeah. two sons, right? Two sons, So yes. if you lost one. I had another one. Got the other one. It was all fine. So put it back in i'm like so finally i was like dude you're gonna have to count to three a whole lot faster for me to get into this water so or just push me exactly i just just say three and then he said three and then i like i stepped into the water and i went down and then you go down the dive rope you climb down the dive rope and then you're sitting on the ocean and this woman her name is christina um she has this long tube with fish in it and she pulls out the fish and it's their caribbean reef shark so they start about 15 to 20 sharks start swarming and they're they're under you know going under our arms and they're like hitting us in the head with their tails and and they're going in between um Jacob and I and then she this one shark comes up to her and like nuzzles her belly and she starts petting the shark and it goes into this catatonic state um, and and sinks to the bottom and she's petting the shark and then it's about between like Does she six, know the shark Yes, its name was Foggy Eye. So um, she's a shark whisperer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So then she carries the shark over to Jacob and I, and like puts the shark down. And now we're like petting the shark, and she takes the shark down this the line of divers, and everybody gets to pet the shark. And then she's... that's where Simon usually says, "Not a euphemism." Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ben. And then she stood the shark on its nose. It was like standing straight up. Oh, my God. And then she puts the shark down, and she's like cuddling with the shark a little bit more. And then she kisses it and um, and then like hit it on its head, and then it swam away. Wow. Did she have all her <laughs> limbs? She did. Um, she and, But she was wearing a chainmail suit. And she took duct tape. Duct tape is good for everything. Mm-hmm. It's even good for when you're feeding sharks. Oh. Like you can wrap your hands with it because it's like, have you ever bitten down on tin foil? Yeah. Like, Ooh. And for sharks, that's, you know, it's kind of the same experience. Good so, to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you want to go swim with sharks, just wrap your whole body in, in duct, duct tape. tape. When sharks mate, it seems very violent to us because the male shark has the, the his under his fin. It's called a clapper, and it like it grabs onto the female. And the only way that 
because he's inserting the sperm into the (laughs) female. And the female is like thrashing and bucking. And so he's biting her to keep her still. But the idea is like if he can't can't hold on, Mm -hmm. if she's a wild thing, you know, that's kind of like nature's way of saying this isn't a good match. But as a result of mating, um, the females get really torn up and bitten up. And um, so a lot of these sharks that were swimming were, you know, quite injured and a lot of them had hooks in their mouth too from fishing and so what christina does is she'll put them to sleep and then she'll take the hook out of their mouth i mean this one shark had like this line like a fishing line that was dangling behind him um and so i don't know how sharks communicate but word has gotten out in the shark community that if you have a hook in your mouth go see christina and she'll take care of you so like the movie Finding Nemo, like all these fish have personalities yep. and it's like you totally can see that. These like sharks and... I guess it's like any other pet. Like, you know, cats have personalities, dogs have personalities. Yeah. We just don't see groupers all this the time. This is something you would study in an animal studies curriculum. Animal studies. Yes. Is that biology? Yeah. Often it comes out of uh, English departments. Yeah. Uh, so Carrie uh, <laughs> Car- Roman, friend of the show, future guest, and Bianca Falbo, friend of the show, future guest, um, do those types of studies. Practitioners of... We were going to do two more, but I think for, in the essence of time, we'll just do one last one. And okay. in fact, I'll even, I'll even bump that up and tell you what the answer is okay. so we can move along. Okay. She also wrote an article about uh, studying to do stand-up comedy in, mm. on stage. Okay. Um, so that's the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She did do stand-up okay. comedy. Can you recall any of your stand-up material that we could hear on the show? Oh, yeah. Uh, only if it's not blue. Or if it's blue, that's okay, too. What was the well? Tell me more about the experience of taking the class and who was in it. Oh, okay. So I took it through Gotham Comedy Club, and mm-hmm. there was I think twelve of us, and it was sort of like the island of misfit toys. I mean, we were the one lady was a pet psychic. Um, another guy was like a um, that. That's by the way, that's a real psychic. This human psychic stuff is not real, but pet psychic. I thought you were going to say that's what an animal studies graduate does. <laughs> <laughs> that's a career option. <laughs> Uh, and then there was this like repo man and, uh, there was a, a guy who worked in sanitation. Um, there was an actress. We sort of all hailed from different walks of life and it was eight weeks. And so, uh, we'd go into New York and we'd try and, you know, they didn't really teach us too much about developing our old material, but we would perform on stage and then our teacher would sort of evaluate how we did and performed. Jim Gaffigan. He did come to my graduation show. He performed. Um, but I can't remember who my teacher was. He's, but, he's, but like a stand-up comic. Does he follow yeah. us? Yeah, probably. I'm sure he does. And now he's going to stop following us. <laughs> lost another listener. Man. So, but the problem with being a stand-up comedian in the Lehigh Valley is there's no open mic show. So if you go to New York, I mean, there's all these comedy clubs and options, you know, that for amateurs. Mm-hmm. But in the Lehigh Valley, open mic means music, which I found out the hard way because my um, first foray in the Lehigh Valley, I found out that the the cigar bar called The Match in Bethlehem okay. was having open mic night. So I was like, I had to go and perform. That was part of the class. You have to go perform. And I didn't want to go back to New York. So I went to the cigar bar and I, and I come in and I'm like, there's a band up there. And I was like, oh man, you know, this isn't com- comedy. Yeah. So I go to The Match. 
the waitress, I know I was with a friend and she said something to the waitress that I had wanted to do stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And the waitress said something to the owner. And then the owner came over to me and he's like, what is it that you want to do? And I was like, well, you know, I really, I need to practice my stand-up. And he said, well, are you funny? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Like, that's what I'm here to find out. And he's like, well, tell me some of your jokes. So I started to tell him some of my jokes. And so he was laughing. He started to laugh. And, um, it's like, all right. I was like, all right, I'll get you on. And so like three beers later, it's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, dude, like I've got to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, this comedy thing is bullshit. Like I'm exhausted, but I had to do this. So I finally, I flagged him down like, look, I got to get on the stage or I'm leaving because I'm tired. So how, how many w- people are there in this? Oh, it's, it's packed. It's a cigar bar, you know, so it's older, older crowd, blue collar cigars, very smoky, very gritty. So he goes up to the band and he's saying to the band, the band leader, like, I need you to guys, you know, take a break. I'm going to bring up this this woman. She wants to do comedy. Finally, he says to the crowd something like, we've got all kind of shit for you tonight, meaning me. So I was the the shit, yeah. So I'm not feeling very empowered or confident at this moment, but I was kind of like, screw you, buddy. Mm -hmm. This band had been playing, and so people, finally, it was quiet. They could hear each other talk, so they're not listening to me. They're Uh. ordering drinks. They're going up to the bar. Again, it's like no bad day. It's all material. Absolutely. If I get booed off the stage and people throw things at me, this just makes a better story. By the way, I really like that philosophy. No bad days, just material. Even if you're not a writer. I mean, you, you talk to people, you have conversations. So yeah. I think that's good. I used I to fantasize about going to jail because I was like, that is a damn good story. And then Orange is the New Black came out. And I was like, oh. oh. But I was always like struggling with <laughs> what could my crime be? Because I didn't want it to be on my permanent record. Yeah. Like I didn't want to exclude me from being able to teach I or working idea. with kids. That's tough. What do you got? It could be uh, commandeering a city bus. <laughs> and interviewing Sandra and interviewing Bullock. celebrities. It could be like people be late for work. No, I know you what it is. You would get arrested for it's shooting, truancy. It's shooting someone with an ice bullet, and the bullet melts, and you can't be convicted. Right, right. <laughs> Where's you your evidence? Where's yeah, you? a perfect crime scenario. So where are we? Okay, so, so you're, you're, you're on jail. Stage. No, you're on stage. <laughs> I'm on stage. So I'm starting to tell my material, and everybody's nobody's listening to me, and there's this group of like women chatting over here, and you know, I was saying bad words, and people were like, oh, we should listen She's to her. Edgy. No. Yeah. So then they quieted down. And then all of a sudden, there was like this magical moment where like, everyone in the room, like I held the room. They oh, were all great. Yeah, they were all like laughing. And, and then I got off the stage and people were buying me drinks. And the band leader wow. came up and asked me to open for him the following week. So, so Kathleen, my question to you, and I started this um, on the last episode, um, which is which will have dropped by now. It's sort of a little pet theory I have. I just sort of want to ask guests as they come on. So I'm just going to ask you a very simple question. Say what first comes to your mind. Do you prefer Friday or Sunday? Iced coffee. No, that's not that's not an option. You said first thing that comes to oh, my no. mind. Oh, well, no. Uh, within the constraints of the question, do you prefer oh. Fridays or Sundays? You're a Friday person or a Sunday person? I'm a Friday person. Okay. Okay. So I think, I think we're What do all... you think you know about her? Well, I think I know, um, because I am also a Friday person. As am that I. That we have, we have some differences on this, Ben, but I think that you, you are a forward looker, and that's in the most positive way, in the negative way, it's not living in the moment type of thing. Because my, my theory, and I've explained this other ways, but I'll explain it again, is that you know on Friday, that's a work day. And is it a work day for you? Friday. I'm just, I'm just as saying, a yeah, comedian. Yes, as a comedian. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sorry. 
So we'll every day is a work okay. day, Simon. So so Friday is is a traditional work day. Even though you're working, you prefer Friday versus Sunday, which is not a work day, not a traditional work day. And so you actually prefer the work day over the non-work day because on Sunday you're looking ahead to Monday, Tuesday. I think Monday, it's like Tuesday. Christmas, you know? The mm-hmm. days before Christmas are over more exciting than the day itself because exactly. it's kind of like a letdown. Yeah, to, to some to it's some Like, yeah, all that work, it's over, you know. And so, and so I, I feel like most people I've asked are Friday people because mm. I think they do... Right, look ahead right. to but that's to, interesting how that we, we're not living in the moment there you know you go. okay that's that part of the question i just wanted to sort okay. of bring that up do you have a question i do have a question so tell me about the genesis of this program Where, how did you come up with the idea for this podcast ben you've had this idea for us doing a podcast for the last two years or something like that and i i think i you always said you wanted to do one and i said okay well you know set it up and then uh at some point about a few months ago, I mean, years ago, at some past when, date, when we did when we did episode one, you said, uh, "Yeah, let's let's go and let's do it." We started because we want to have a uh, workshop place downtown, like a reading, writing, uh, creativity, imagination center, and that had the original name of Various Breads and Butters. And so you wanted some place downtown. So we're going to have a, a, a multi-purpose, like a, a reading center for, for high school kids, a writing center for people who want to do short stories and storytelling in written form or in, in spoken word like, like the moth, um, but all kinds of all manner of creativity on display. Um, and Nestor was going to have a, a uh, bakery. Form, former guest, Nestor Gill. Former, former and, and future return guest, Nestor, Nestor Hill, has got a... It's going to have a bakery, so he's going to sell bread, like pay by donation, pay as you can out front. Mm-hmm. And then in the back, it would be, you know, one night you'd have motorcycle repair. The next night you'd have how to craft a short story. The next night you'd have stand-up comedy. And so Various Breads and Butters, the podcast, is the predecessor to that future event where we're field testing some you of these ideas. have a studio there. People Maybe could, like, there would be glass and people could be watching us. Right. So eventually we'll record there. Yeah. I'm really just a little did. hurt that I'm... 48. So that means like there are 47 people yeah, but you're, ahead of me. You're, but you're on the front end of the second generation. And it's mo- it was mostly politicians and royalty. <laughs> Two athletes. Oh, a lot, lot, lot of professional athletes. Hollywood yeah. types too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we decided to sort of, you know, shrink mm-hmm. it down and to so our, what, like, group, our community. And so what wave am I in? You're in the, you're in the front of the second wave. <laughs> no, but I meant like classified, you know, like you have the athletes and the celebrities. You're the fourth uh, estate. Oh, yeah. okay. The four, okay. Yeah, we, we went around. We, we went through the first, second, third, and f- <laughs> wait. I thought. I thought that. Jur- I thought we decided journalism was the fifth estate. No, it's no. the fourth estate. Is it? No, I think that's it. So, um, I guess if you uh, if you'd like to email us, we're at variousbreadsandbutters at gmail dot com. And what can they email us? Email us uh, more questions. For example, we had a question where one of our listeners was surprised that when uh, Nestor was on and he had just been in Cuba and he's an artist that we didn't talk about Cubism. Did did someone actually do that? Someone actually did that, and it wasn't I like you. That. <laughs> it wasn't me. We get questions like that. Okay, but um, they can guest ideas, mm-hmm. um, other quiz questions, uh, host ideas learned, host ideas. If they want, if did they want to exchange us, <laughs> right? Host ideas. Did you talk about cubic zirconias? We didn't. That would have followed. Mm-hmm. And they can also you can uh, you can follow us on Twitter at some later date. So we should thank our guest. Yes. Kathleen, thank you. This was a very interesting Kathleen project. Parrish, Director of All Media mm-hmm. at Lafayette College. That's not her title. Director of Content Strategy. Yes, that is her title. Thank you for coming in. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Okay. Is, okay. is, is, is it earphones off? Yeah, headphones okay. off. I think we're good. Quand elle me 
So what's the um, what's the takeaway from this? I think this bit is over. <laughs> <laughs> this is all gonna get left on the cutting room floor, pretty much.